hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for three, three is safe, and Alonso follows it in! It's wonderful! It's marvellous! So the finale to the Premier League season's finally upon us. It's been three pretty long months without Liverpool kicking a competitive ball in the Premier League. That's all about to change. I'm Steve Hothersall and on the Red Agenda this week we have a match fit James Pearce and Simon Hughes. Both ready to take their place in the press box. What are you laughing about? Are you match fit, aren't you, after three months, Si? I'm glad you just described James as match fit and not me. Uh, I presume by that you've missed your place in the press box, haven't you, James? <laughs> oh, well, do you know what? I've I've missed everything in terms of you know it, it just leaves a massive gap in your life, doesn't it? When when football when football is such a a, a big part of it, so um, yeah, it does feel a little bit like the build up to Christmas this week with with it finally back on the agenda. Is it fair enough to say, sites a little bit emotionally uh, turbulent? Your you, your head's not quite level with where you're at. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. I mean, I, I sort of feel a bit conflicted with it all, really, because you know, without without the crowd there, it, it is going to be strange. And, and naturally, you know, I'd sort of rail against this idea, but you know, of, of playing matches while there are no crowds. But you know, I also accept we are where we are, and the world has changed dramatically. And if you know, clubs don't play games, that it's just going to lead to so many. You know, major problems. Really, we we do need football back for a lot of reasons. I I, I sort of I'm I'm looking forward to it. I am, but I, th- I think it's only when really Liverpool get going again that it'll I'll be really back into it because it's just been such a relentless period as well. You know, from from a works point of view, you know, it's been a, a strange period because you obviously you were building up in in March to be writing about Liverpool's title. You know, lots of pieces lined up around that, and those pieces just had to be parked. You know, shelled, wondering whether. They're ever going to be used again, and you know, thankfully they are. So yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I mean, I've been pleasantly impressed by the standard of football in other countries so far. You know, the the German league and some of the Italian matches that I've seen, and, and Spain over the weekend. The players look really, really sharp. You know, they, they've been as competitive as ever. So from that point of view, you know, I've got no reservations whatsoever. And you know, it was encouraging last week to see to see Liverpool warming up. You know, in in a pretty emphatic fashion, beating Blackburn. So. Mm. You know, the players look sharp and from the highlights that I could see there. So, in terms of the football, I've got no sort of fears that the, the games aren't going to be as competitive as, as they were because the, the, the players just look right on it at the moment. And that, that's what's excited me the most at the moment, I'd say. So, it begins in the middle of the week. Manchester City against Arsenal and, of course, uh, Villa against uh, Sheffield United. They're the games in hand. So, depending on when you listen to this podcast, they may, might be completed. It might be a case of Arsenal doing, doing Liverpool a favour. But, obviously, there's lots of twists and turns to go. Uh, Fantastic front page on the Irish Independent, their sports supplement, which I think Liverpool fans will associate with. And it reads, history delayed, not history denied. I think that pretty much um, sums it up, doesn't it, James, for Liverpool fans at the moment? Yeah, exactly. I think there'll be a, a huge amount of relief as well at the the sight of, of Premier League football getting back underway midweek ahead of, ahead of, ahead of Sunday's Merseyside derby as well, because we didn't, we didn't know for a long time whether we would get to this point. And, um, you know, I think it, it was a real mixture of feelings because, you know, it was it was only natural to feel that anxiety and frustration that having been so close to something so historic for it then to be taken from your, your grasp. But, of course, you know, those feelings were mixed by the 
by you know as Jurgen Klopp summed up better than anyone you know football being put into context and you know as he described it as being the the most important of the least important things in life so it's mm. it has been a real emotional roller coaster of a few months and you know right back to those early days you know after the the shutdown when there seemed to be a lot of self-interest at play from certain clubs and the null and void brigade and and all those discussions about you know whether whether we, it was realistic for the season even to to be resumed but um project restart thankfully has 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 gone has gone pretty well so far in terms of going from one stage to the next and it's you know, the the testing procedures that are in place. You know, thankfully the number of positive tests has been very low, and yeah, it's it's going to be odd, isn't it? When you know seeing Liverpool win the title in an empty ground, and you know whether that's at Goodison or whether that's against Palace, probably more likely midweek next week. You know, the celebrations aren't going to be anywhere near the the same kind of level as we would have expected, but it still doesn't take away from the scale of the achievement because you know I, I wrote a an introduction to the to the season being resumed for the Athletic that was published today, and it's only when you go back over it that it it refreshes your memory in terms of just how many records have been shattered along the way this season. You know, this is a this is an incredible team, and you know, the, of all the things that English football has had to sort out amidst this crisis, trying to work out who would be crowned champions wasn't one of them because um, you know the the gulf has been that big between Liverpool and the rest. Well, well, let's just reflect on how brilliant Liverpool have been. So 25 points clear at the top of the Premier League. Um, They could actually finish their campaign with 109 points and one defeat. They're on course to register the biggest winning margin in the Premier League. And they've done it in a fascinating way, Si, this season. It hasn't all been just about the attacking flair. They've sort of redefined themselves a bit. Mm, They're an all-round team now. You know, I think first few years, Jürgen Klopp, you know, the the focus was on the attack and um, how many goals they could score, really. And, and, you know, defensively they struggle. But now, you know, it's a team, I think the, the, the defence can can rely on the attack to get them out of trouble and the attack can rely on the defence to get them out of trouble. And you've got a, a midfield that just works unbelievably hard. You know, it's there's been lots of games this season which have been pretty close, really, in, in terms of the scoreline. But... Um, the reality of the game is that the gulf has been bigger. I actually think Liverpool could have scored a lot more goals, but they, they, they paced themselves at certain times, you know, with different Champions League campaign, uh, the Champions League campaign going on. You know, Jürgen Klopp, he, I mean, he doesn't rotate the team a great deal, really. I mean, if you look at the, the centre-halves, very rarely change unless there's an injury. You know, he relies on the full-backs heavily who... You know, got unbelievable energy resources that the forwards don't change. It's only really in midfield where he, he sort of chops and changes, you know, but, but not not dramatically. So it's a team that's, that, that's incredibly consistent and understands each other's game well, um, you know, which is just great to watch because it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a throwback in that sense. You know, he hasn't got a massive squad yet and Klopp to deal with and he, he's given chances to a few young players when um, they've been down on numbers, you know, in terms of filling up the, the matchday squad. Um, they've just been a pleasure to watch. I, I, you know, in the past, there's always been sort of something missing with the Liverpool teams that I've seen, you know, since since 1990. But with this team, there isn't. Um, there isn't something missing. Um, okay, they could get better in certain positions at times. You know, there might be room in the squad for a, a more creative midfielder. But who's to say 
if the impact that might have on other areas of the pitch, you know, I think the midfield needs to be the, the way it is in terms of the, the, the work rate and the 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 way it, it, it manages to, to fill in for other positions when Liverpool are on the attack. So, yeah, it's a great, it's a great team to watch. And it sort of touches on what I said earlier, that to not allow Liverpool to not finish this season, you know, would have been... I use the word travesty lightly because of everything that's going on, but in terms of a sporting travesty to, for Liverpool to be so far ahead and deservedly so and not be able to finish it would have, would have been massively disappointing so yeah let, let's hope that they just fly into these fixtures really and and, um, and carry on where they left off because you know I think you know the, the season deserves to finish on that sort of note really because they have just been absolutely relentless They do deserve it don't they? I mean the stats would suggest they're just head and shoulders above everyone but as Sai just pointed out then They've done it by adapting in numerous ways, so it doesn't matter whether it was the late goal at Old Trafford, the the fight against Sheffield United, the, the Villa Park miracle, which Sai hasn't I'm, mentioned yet. But James, it's been, it, it has been all sorts of ways, isn't it? Yeah, and and that, that's that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, that that makes it all the more impressive. The fact that whatever hurdles have been thrown in their path, they've that they've found a way to to overcome them. You know, they they can play, you know, unbelievably exciting, expansive football, and they've got the the capabilities to to blow teams away. I think probably for me the most complete performance was, was away at Leicester um, around Christmas time, and then you know in, in in other games that they've ground it out. I think we've we've seen the style evolve under Klopp during his time in charge, and it's, it's definitely become kind of less gung-ho and, and taking fewer risks, but a lot more a lot more mature and a lot more streetwise in, in terms of being able to last the pace with the demands of, of an English season. Um, you know, we, we've seen that with the way that, you know, they almost shut up shop, um, you know, and so many of those narrow wins of, of you know, their scoreline's been narrow, but they've been, you know, in, incredibly disciplined and clever in terms of slowing the game down and, and, and just killing off opponents by by just looking after the ball in, intelligently um and, and not doing anything silly so yeah i mean there's 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 so much to admire i did a piece on the athletic last week looking at the even right down to the disciplinary record um you know i think liverpool are on course to top the the fair play league for the the fourth successive season and you know, i think you have to go back about 17 years for the last time that a team actually won the league and won the fair play because you know the two things rarely go together and mm. certainly going back a few years it, it used to be the argument that you know Liverpool were maybe a bit too nice and and and, and, and you know but so, so to be able to have done what they've done whilst maintaining those disciplinary standards um you know makes it makes it even more impressive there will be the the frustration that rival fans will maybe continue to to taunt Liverpool and say that a title victory is is hollow and that it has the so-called asterisks next to it. I mean, Liverpool fans will, will ignore that that suggestion. That, how long will that that debate, that idea exist, you think, Si? Well, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't think... I mean, whenever Liverpool fans ever cared for what other supporters really think, I mean, there's always going to be something that rival supporters try and, you know, pin on Liverpool one way or another, um, you know, not being worthy of winning the Champions League or any of the other trophies they've won. I mean, just don't forget when the when the season finished, 
They were 25 points ahead. That's insane. You know, in March, they were going to get the season wrapped up, um, possibly in March or, or April, which is, you know, hasn't been done for an unbelievable amount of time. So, you know, the season was already more or less wrapped up. You know, I, I just don't buy that idea, you know, asterisk besides Liverpool winning the title because, you know, the season is going to finish, you know, um, and, uh, you know, those clubs, you know, p- perhaps might might end up winning something themselves. I mean, you know, Manchester City have got a pretty vocal online presence now and, you know, they've got a great chance to win the Champions League. So if they, if they win that, does that mean that they're not sort of... Um, they're not worthy of, of winning the Champions League because the you know the the seasons change. I mean, you could argue, you know, the if the Champions League format changes to what people expect it to be, to be you know a bit of a round robin tournament in Lisbon. That the, the fundamental course of that season has changed, you know, more than even the Premier League in in, in some some ways because you you probably got to do less to win the champ uh, to win the Champions League. So. You know, there's lots of other clubs as well who, you know, fighting for getting to the Champions League places for next season, which is pretty significant. So it just depends where the, the sort of the needle comes from. There's always going to be needle, I suppose. And I mean, I, I mean, do, before, does it get the credit that it will deserve once well, Liverpool it, it, do I, get over I, the line? I think among sensible people, it will, yeah. <laughs> because you know, as I said, Liverpool are so far ahead; they've set all sorts of records. I mean, I sometimes think about. That Watford game, when obviously the Watford game is 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 the only defeat in the league this season. I mean, had they not lost that game or obviously won that game, to to then have the possibility of the season ending would have been even more heartbreaking. I think. Um, so I wonder now. Part of me thinks, well, losing that game is probably taking the edge off the rest of the season in in some ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I I've said it before, but I, I do think that Jurgen Klopp's always looking. A ways of turning a disadvantage into an advantage, and I suspect that he'll try and you know make sure that the players for next season, whatever format takes, will be desperate to go and do it again. I mean, he's got to use this as a tool, you know, because the players aren't going to have the experience of being either inside Anfield or inside the stadium full of supporters at that moment of realization, which. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone. I mean, I know, I know I'm not alone. That, that that's what I think about the most. That's the, mo- the thing that I've thought about the most over the last 30 years. What will it feel like at that moment when the final whistle is blown and Liverpool are champions? You know, to not have the fans inside the stadium and being able to go out and celebrate like Liverpool does celebrate as a city, you know, it would have been party time throughout the summer. I can't stop thinking about that. It does make me feel... You know, it does make me feel a bit sad that, that the people aren't going to be able to sort of put this 30-year piece of unwanted history behind them in the way that they've always thought that they would be able to. So, you know, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be thinking about that and, and trying to make sure that, you know, maybe next year they could go and do it again. I know it's going to be harder because other teams are improving. You know, some complaints that Liverpool aren't doing enough in the transfer market to make sure that they stay there. But I'm sure the Klopp will be using that as a force to, to say, you know, we want to experience, you as players, you, you don't want to win the title, you want to experience the absolute delirium of the surroundings, like in, in Madrid last year. So there's always something to aim for, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that they'll, um, they'll use that as, as, as a source of motivation, you know, over the next year or two. So, so Sai's suggesting there, James, that there's still a great degree of unfulfilled business. You know, no, no matter how this ends this season, there'll be a certain need to replicate things next time round. Yeah, I, and I go along with that. I think I think that has to be you know one of the one of the outcomes of this when because it you know it's 
I think it's it's two very separate things, isn't it? I think and I think amidst all the kind of discussions about project restart and the Premier League coming back, it probably gets mixed up a bit. Then you know you have rival fans, you know, almost questioning the the value of the achievement. The the value of the achievement and the scale of it of, of the accomplishment isn't affected whatsoever for me from from what's happened. You know, there's Liverpool have absolutely blown everyone else away this season and. I mean, it, it, it was long since clear that that 30-year wait was going to be over. The, the sadness, as Sai comes, comes from the fact that it, it won't be the occasion that everyone envisaged. My first trip to Anfield was was October 1990. So, you know, it was at a time when it, it was almost normal service for for Liverpool to be crowned champions every May. So it's it's hard to fathom that, that so far on we're still waiting for that 19th title to be mathematically secure. But, but yeah, I think... For those players, you, you always wonder, don't you? I think once you have the initial euphoria of winning the of a team winning a title, you you question you know, what's their hunger going to be like to go and do it again? Because it is it's very very hard to retain the title. I think obviously City did it, and I think United maybe what 10, 15 years ago. But it's it's a it's a tough thing to do because you know inevitably when the big teams miss out, you know they 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 produce shows of ambition in the transfer market to try to catch up and i think when and when you've climbed the mountain it's very difficult to to stay up there but that feeling for those players that it won't feel the same they won't have especially i think because so much of what klopp has created at liverpool has been built on that that unity and and camaraderie and the bond with between the players the manager and the supporters and you know that's the reason why anfield has been such an unbelievable fortress and Liverpool haven't lost a league game at home in what three and a half years I think it is now so I think that has to be one of the outcomes of this for these players is yeah unbelievable to to be the ones you know they'll go down as legends as being the ones who ended that 30-year wait but do you know what the feeling will be even better if we retain it because uh, you know come May 2021 you know the the, the world would be a very different place and, and Liverpool really would be able to celebrate like they would have loved to have been able to celebrate this summer. Absolutely. There's that need for euphoria. It's funny because I'm slightly older than you guys and I remember vividly the 80s, it just becoming a bit of a, a routine procession. And when, when Liverpool got to the end of a, a season and won a championship, it wasn't necessarily surrounded by that euphoria in that way. It was pretty matter-of-fact, Si. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't remember that. You know, I, I was born in 1983. So, you know, I, I can sort of, there's, there's moments in the 80s that I do remember, but unfortunately they're sort of attached to disappointments rather than the actual victories because I remember my dad, like, sort of, he obviously indoctrinated me into following Liverpool and I remember losing to Crystal Palace in the FA Cup semi-final, uh, which was sort of set Liverpool on this course of, of sort of <laughs> disappointments. I mean, and then I remember the Arsenal game as well. You know, the year before when they lost the title. I mean, let's not forget the last, the last thirty years. They've won everything else there is to win. You know, there've been some absolute unbelievable moments in Liverpool's history that'll go down forever. You know, Istanbul, the obvious one, and and, and um, last season Madrid for me was 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 just absolutely brilliant. Um, so it's not like you know, it's not like Liverpool have had nothing to to celebrate. I mean. I, Without getting too much into the nitty gritty, I think part of it is is sort of down to the social aspect of the city and the club and the, the links between the two. You know, there've been thirty years of, you know, since Hillsborough, 
absolute, you know, anger, understandably for the way everything happened. And people since then have been, um, you know, sort of felt like Liverpool people are constantly doubted and, you know, Liverpool, the reputation of Liverpool sort of changed dramatically off the way, the way that was reported and who was blamed for that. And I think, you know, that, that feeds into the football club because the football club then becomes a way of, you know, a, a bigger symbol of defiance, if you like. So it, it, in many ways, it became an even bigger symbol of, of Liverpool being able to show itself in a positive light and constantly, you know, just missing out on that title made it, that frustration, that, that bit more palpable. So I, I think, you know, the, it, the, the links between Liverpool and, and, and the, the, the city and the club are intertwined. And I know people say, well, you can't, you know, make, keep, keep politics out of football, but I just think that's a load of rubbish, to be honest. Football's always been linked with, with politics. And I think at this time, you know, it's, you know, Liverpool's going through another tough period, you know, and when we come out of this, I'm sure, um, you know, it's been a tough 10 years for Liverpool and it's going to be even tougher, I think, going forward. So it's going to need the football club to be successful, you know, for people to to be able to enjoy those those moments, you know, on the pitch and, you know, pile into the city. And that, as I said, I just keep on thinking about that, about people, it doesn't take away from the, um, it doesn't take away from the sporting achievements in my eyes whatsoever, no way. But undoubtedly, you know, that the, the actual moments of realisation, that's not going to be what anybody expected. Um, so hopefully, you know, that they'll, they'll be able to use that as a, as a driver for success in the future. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. It's the Red Agenda uh, on The Athletic. And if you head to the site now, you can get a 40% off your subscription to uh, celebrate the return of football. So that's going to work out at less than £3 a month uh, for some of the best football writing out there. Uh, James Pearce, Simon Houston, some terrific pieces on the site. So um, check those out. Right, so the first game up for Liverpool is a, is a Merseyside derby. And if you look back at this season, we've had two already. Uh, we had one that Curtis Jones stamped his, his name on. That was a phenomenal moment. And there was a 5-2, of course, for Liverpool in, in December as well. So... Which one stands out more for the boys? Um, which one is more going to replicate uh, what we'll see this weekend? James? Both incredible in their own way, weren't they? You, you think back to that game at, at Anfield back in, in December and I think Klopp did spring a surprise, didn't he, with his with his lineup? I think there was no Salah, no Firmino. Um, Henderson, I think, was on the, the bench that day as well. And, you know, I remember being in the press room before the game and, you you know, the, the murmurings were, you know, taking a bit of a gamble here, you know, to... You know the the Merseyside derby is not the not not the fixture to be picking to to rotate and, and leave out key personnel, but um, yeah, Liverpool absolutely absolutely destroyed Everton that night. You know, Divock Origi or something about Everton that seems to, to bring out the best in the the Belgium who you know, he hasn't had the hasn't hasn't had the season I think we all hoped he would do on the back of his impact in the closing months of last season, but. Um, 
that was probably his performance of the of the campaign. I think he, he scored twice that night. Shakiri again, who didn't really hasn't really been able to contribute much, but he he, you know, he got himself a goal and helped torment Everton. And yeah, that was that was a real kind of embarrassment into in terms of what Liverpool did to them that night. And then just when you thought Jurgen Klopp was running out of different ways to beat Everton, he um, <laughs> he decided to play the kids against them and knock them out, knock them out the FA Cup back in January. So um, yeah, and a, a moment that young Curtis Jones will remember for the rest of his life with that that stunning curler into the the top corner. So um, yeah, I think whenever the Merseyside derby comes around, we always talk, don't we, about the almost the psychological hold that Liverpool seem to have on this fixture because. Um, even though the faces change and you know the managers come and go at Everton, it still seems that you know when the derbies come around, it, they bring out the best in Liverpool, and and Everton seem to wilt. I've got some good mates who are Evertonians, and they all say the same thing. After a derby, you found a new way to do it, and of course, when Curtis Jones did it in January in the FA Cup. A wonderful moment for Curtis, not for Evertonians, of course. You, you do wonder what other way it can happen now. Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose it gets forgotten in the, in the first half of that game. I mean, as, as you said, Liverpool were unrecognisable from the team that had obviously got them to the position that they were in in, in the Premier League. Um, but I haven't had quite a few chances in the first half. And Adrian kept Liverpool in the game, really. I mean, Everton could have been 2 3 nil up, actually. You know, they had really good chances. But Adrian just kept on making saves. I remember thinking this isn't going to be Everton's night. <laughs> I, can just, I just remember thinking, they've had the chance here, something's going to happen. The second half, uh, Liverpool went out and were brilliant. I thought, you know, kept possession fantastically. They seemed to gain a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, Curtis Jones, it just seems to me, like, you know, the bigger the occasion, he seems to step up. I mean, he, he um, obviously played fantastically when he came on against Arsenal in the League Cup match as well. He t- totally changed the direction of that game because Liverpool, I think, were losing. He came on... Liverpool started playing, suddenly scored a penalty. In fact, he scored the winning penalty in the shootout. So he's got some courage, this this player, you know, and then to, 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 to step up and score from 25, 30 yards past England's international goalkeeper. I mean, I know Jordan Pickford's obviously thrown one in last season, but I don't think any goalkeeper would have saved that shot um, at the Anfield Road end in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been... Um, Obviously, since I haven't won a derby of any kind since the infamous Roy Hodgson derby in 2010. I mean, which I think deserves a show in itself, to be honest. Because uh, I remember Roy came into the press room after that game and described it as the best performance of his Liverpool reign. A 2 0 defeat to Everton in the derby. Just incredible. And, um, you know, since then, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool's record at Goodison hasn't been, you wouldn't say it's been great, but it's been undefeated. You know, so away from home in the derby, that, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's going to be a different challenge for them this this week. Obviously, with with no fans being there, I think Everton took great strength from the home, the, the support that they got from the the, the Goodison crowd last season in the in the one or oh, sorry the nil nil draw. But I mean, again, that was another strange game for me because Liverpool had four chances in that game, which Salah, you know, two one on ones with Pickford. Pickford, you expect him to score at least one of them. I remember Fabinho had a chance more or less right at the end. Joel Matic missed a header. They should have really won that game, Liverpool. You know, I don't think they were really affected quite as much by... I don't think Liverpool were affected by the crowd, but I think Everton, Everton's players were inspired by it in many ways to, to raise their levels on the, on the day. So, 
Yeah, it's going to be a strange occasion, but um, it's a sh- every game is going to be a slightly strange occasion at the moment. I mean, who knows? It might, it might in some ways help, haven't it? The, 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 there's no no crowd there. The pressure might not be there quite as much. The players might be able to play a bit more freely because they, 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 you know they were on a decent run before lockdown as well. But I was just thinking, you know, you look at the injury uh, list that they've got at the moment. The, Essentially, going to struggle to to fit the ben- fill the bench at the moment. So um, it's going to be an odd game, isn't it? It's going to be the, the weirdest derby ever, in my opinion. But um, you know, it might, it might it might matter. It might mean everything. It might might not mean quite as much. It just depends on what happens with um, Man City and Arsenal on Wednesday. Yeah, it, it will be strange. I'm just going to pick up on what Simon was saying at the end there. But is there a chance it might help Everton with it with it being in an empty stadium, James? I can't really see it to be honest. I was looking back and I think. Six of the last seven derbies at Goodison have ended in in draws, and I think you know, I think that that shows that they have benefited from you know the, the partisan support they they usually can call upon at at Goodison. So I you know compared to how poor their record is at Anfield, so no, I think if anything, no fans should play into Liverpool's hands because it should just come down. To the quality of the players, um, you know there is no influence from from the atmosphere and the surroundings. And you know, I think Liverpool have got the better players anyway. And when you, especially when you know Simon mentions Everton's injury list there, yeah. when you look at the absentees, um, you know that that has to play into Liverpool's hands as well. And also the fact that you know if if the title is on the line, and even if it's not, you know Liverpool are so close to achieving something so so special that I think the motivation is huge whilst um, you know for Everton um, you know the, 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 the stakes for them are, are much much lower it's going to be fascinating is it, I mean is, it, is there a rush for Liverpool to get over the line you presume the players are desperate to get going once more uh, is it easy for them to pick up where they left off in terms of how they were playing and what's that what is their mindset get this job done quickly Si? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be get it done as quickly as possible. They're not going to ha- not going to want to hang around. I mean, there's one interesting element to this, which I might be wrong, but you know, we talked before about sort of the point scoring, you know, over Liverpool's t- you know imminent title win and how people will react to it. I mean, clearly, obviously, Evertonians don't want Liverpool to win it, and I do want to say if Everton won this derby. You know, and I'd imagine there'd be a fair amount of celebrations from, you know, Everton supporters if they were to win this derby. Where that would leave Everton, potentially, you know, if Liverpool were to clinch the title in a couple of weeks' time, because I don't think then they'd be able to say, oh, well, it didn't mean anything, because they'd just beaten Liverpool for the first time in 10 years. Mm. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> there's a bit of a moral dilemma for them in, in some ways. I suspect they probably just don't want Liverpool to win the title at Goodison Park and, you know, obviously don't want to lose that game. I expect it, you know, to to be flying. Really, I mean, as I said before, that the friendly that they had against Blackburn last week, I, I realised it's a friendly. I realised it's not like you know a proper game, but they looked really sharp from what I could see. So, you know, they don't they don't look like the 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 sort of to me, it didn't look like the football wasn't as crisp as as as, as you'd normally expect it. So, I'm expecting a really competitive game, and and I'm expecting them, you know, over the next couple of weeks, um, you know, if not the Everton game. Um, it could be Crystal Palace or, or the game at City. I, I, I've got this feeling it will come down to City, mate. The Liverpool will have to go to Manchester and, and make sure that they either avoid defeat or win there to, <laughs> to secure the title. Just has, seems to have that. It's got that feeling. Don't know what it is. Shevchenko. 
scored the winner two years ago. He's up against Dudek. Will he hand Liverpool the European Cup? Yes! Yes! European champions! Jersey Dudek with the penalty save. Uh, this is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. It's sponsored by Harry's. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy. Two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew they had to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now they're taking less profit, and Harry's offers you great quality products for a fair price. Amazing quality blades, and they're almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Uh, And a Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Uh, Let's talk with our two ordinary guys about their shaving routine. I don't think Simon shaves, do you? You should get a Harry's. That would There's do the no job on your me. big beard, wouldn't it, Si? There's no point me contributing towards this conversation, I've got to be honest. Um, <laughs> he'd, he'd, need, he'd need to get the garden shears out before he used the Harry's. And yet, for... me as James on, on the text, Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> but for myself and James, uh, who are keen shavers, we thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't we, James? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Do you know what, I... Um... I, I did. I did uh, kindly get get someone to try out, and um, yeah, I've been trying to keep shaving to a minimum. Actually, I've been. I think I've been on a, about once a fortnight during the lockdown. It tends to when there's a video, an important video Zoom call or interview to be done, I, I, I tend to uh, have a shave. I did. I did go through a short period where I decided to leave the moustache and just uh, and grow that for a period. But yeah, my son told me I looked like a fat Freddie Mercury, so. Um, so I ended up, I ended up ditching, ditching that. But, uh, but no, no, no complaints with Harry's. He's, uh, he's done a job for me during the lockdown. Yeah, get, get your back to work looking in order with uh, a Harry's shaving kit. And as a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today. Uh, your trial set is three pound ninety five, and you support our podcast, so you can get the set delivered to you, including a razor handle, a five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Head to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda right now. That's harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. Let's pick up on uh, some of the questions that have been posed in today's red agenda inbox. Variety of different things. So we'll start with um, G Assassin, who says, is there any idea on how Klopp sees the remainder of the season? Will it be full strength and go for uh, points records, or will fringe players and youth players get a chance uh, with the turnaround for next season short and no signings lightly? Is this a little bit of a pre-season as well for the Reds? So, James, pick up on on this one. Um, how much will youth get an involvement from this point onwards? Yeah, I think I think it will do. I think um, you know, certainly there was a, a fair few of the youngsters involved against Blackburn last week, and I think you look at it and... Yeah, from the people I've spoken to, I fully expect Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, and Nico Williams to, to kind of be leading that that charge in terms of youngsters being given opportunities once the title is mathematically secure. Um, I think also the five subs rule kind of plays into their hands as well because I think certainly gives Klopp more options off the bench. And I think you only had to listen to you know Adam Lallana's interview with the club media last week after he signed that that short-term extension to keep him at Liverpool for the rest of the season that it was it was very much on the understanding that um the Klopp is bound to be using the, the remaining games with one eye on next season and um and you know trying to learn more about the players he's got at his disposal rather than necessarily looking to someone like Lalana who's been a great servant to Liverpool but 
but will leave this summer. So, um, so yeah, that's a big part of it. And I think also, I think it's you, you look at it in the wider context of of the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Is that certainly Liverpool and, and and a lot of other top clubs as well will be looking more within their youth ranks for solutions um, rather than dipping into the transfer market. So yeah, there's some, there'll, there'll definitely be opportunities for those young players and. And we know, you know, from the, the, the proof has been in Klopp's reign so far that um, he's never one who's shy to put his faith in youth, and it's it's just down to them the, to grab the opportunities when they come their way. Yeah, just want to add my thoughts on on Adam Lallana. Fantastic that he signed that new deal, and, and very um, very Klopp esque, isn't it? You, you know, he he knows what Adam's put into the club. He's he's used him as a trusted player and a confidant through the years. And I think it's important to Klopp and Adam Lalana that he sees it over the line. That they're almost doing it together, Simon. Yeah, well, from the outset, really, Klopp made it clear how highly he rated Lalana. I mean, he was the player that he kept on speaking about in those early months, and you know, more so than Jordan Henderson, more so than James Milner. You know, I know those two players have sort of become more prominent in, in his team selections, but he, he absolutely loves Adam Lalana as a player. Um, I'm sure. Had he not had his, the sort of injury problems that he has played Liverpool career, he'd have played a lot more games. So, you know, he he he's had a you know he has had an impact this season as well. I mean, we we spoke about um, the Everton game in the FA Cup. I, he, he was absolutely brilliant that day. Um, it was one of you know a really great performance from an experienced player amongst a lot of young players in a derby. He heavily influenced the Merseyside derby. The month before as well, you know, playing between the lines, and so he has. I mean, he obviously scored against Manchester United, the equalising goal, which obviously kept Liverpool's run going. So he has, he has contributed big moments this season. Um, people forget that. So let's have it right. I mean, he's, he's not going to not want to be around for um, mm. you know Liverpool potentially winning the title. I mean, you'd have to be mad to think oh, I'm actually going to go actually not sign that contract because you know you'd still want to feel you know that 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 that. that um, the experience of, of, of achievements. Um, so he'll leave Liverpool in, in a couple of months' time, um, you know, on good terms. I know that. Um, very highly regarded amongst the players as well. Right, let's go to this one from uh, Nabi Ladd, who wants to know who's going to shine the most out of this quartet. So he's picked out Curtis Jones, Kijana Hoover, Harvey Elliott and Leighton Clarkson. All incredible talents. Is, is there one of them you would pick, James? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think probably Curtis Jones is probably leading that charge at the moment. I think, for me, when I look at those young players and the development in them over the course of this season, he's the one, I think, who's made the, the biggest strides, I think. Um, he's had an amazing year when you you know, you know factor in the, you know, the winner against Everton, the honour of becoming Liverpool's youngest ever captain. Um, when he skipped them to victory in that in that cup replay against Shrewsbury Town and um, I think I think physically he's, he's he's now much more able to make an impact at the top level, and that you can see how much he's benefited from from training day in day out with with top class players. I think Harvey Elliott is probably just just behind him. Of course, he's you know a couple of years younger, and he just turned seventeen. And Harvey Elliott is a you know an unbelievable talent, and I think you know he'll be someone who probably be looking at Liverpool not signing Timo Werner and think. You know, do you know what? That gives me, you know, even an even better chance and even more motivation going into next season. Um, because again, you know, I think 
I've been blown away by just how impressive he's been in terms of not only his talent but his his temperament and an ability to 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 play it um you know amongst world class uh, teammates and against top class opposition I think Kajana Hoover is one who you know I'm looking forward to seeing more of him because he hasn't I wouldn't say he's had he's kicked on this season probably as much as people would have hoped I think Nico Williams has, has jumped ahead of Hoover in the pecking order and you know Kajana Hoover he had a few injury problems he also missed a chunk of the season going away with the Netherlands to the under 17 World Cup um but yeah there's no doubt that that Liverpool are very excited about his future he can play full back or center back and then Leighton Clarkson probably Leighton Clarkson and Jake Kane two two young academy players who probably have got a, a lower profile but I know both of those have, have made a big impression on Klopp in terms of you know their their contribution and their attitude as well around Melwood and I think anyone who saw Clarkson took an unbelievably qual- uh, good quality team goal away in that friendly against Blackburn can only make you even more excited about what he might be able to go on to achieve as well. Yeah, good luck to all the more great talents. So we put Werner to bed. We did that last week, but somehow uh, Felipe Coutinho's name has uh, sprung back into the headlines. Tom says, please end the Coutinho saga. It's gone on long enough. But Ian says... Why wouldn't Coutinho on loan with reduced wages make perfect sense? It seems a, a no-brainer. It, it, look, it, is there any credibility to, to all the talk? Where's it come from and why has it risen again this week, Si? Well, it seems like it's, it's come from Coutinho's side. I mean, he, he's increasingly desperate, I think, to to find a club for next season, not necessarily just Liverpool. I mean, there's there's been a bit of talk with Chelsea as well. I think he sees the Premier League as... The place to return to really it hasn't really worked out for him in in Germany. You know, other clubs in Spain wouldn't be able to afford him. You know, there's a couple of options potentially in in Italy, but you know, he's, he's like it gets forgotten. He, he doubled his wages when he went to Barcelona, um, so he, he's going to have to take a massive pay cut if, if he wanted to return to Liverpool because that would, you know, even on loan in a shorter term deal, that would. Put him in the high, one of the highest pay brackets. You know, Barcelona could blow Liverpool out the water with the money that they were offering then, and and and, and probably still now to some extent. So, um, you know, I, I spoke to a few people last week, um, and I think there's this sort of tendency from people who receive this news to think, oh, you've just been brushed off by the club. But you know, I spoke to more than just people at the club. I spoke to people surrounded um, who, who would surround any potential decisions and the message coming back to me was just that it's, it's impossible for it to happen really I mean it, there's been one or two suggestions you know well Liverpool should sign him back for you know, 50 million quid look at all the money that they'd have made on the player but you know the 50 million quid knocking around they'd have gone and signed Timo Werner wouldn't they who in, in fairness probably would have asked would, would re- require less wages you know, uh, Coutinho is is it's it's um, you know two and a half years on since he left Liverpool. He's 28 now, I think. So you know, there's potentially no sell-on fee with him as well. So the, the only chance I, I I could see him coming back would be in some sort of shorter-term loan deal. But he'd have to take a massive pay cut for that to happen. Uh, and not only that, there's there's, just, there's still quite a lot of bad blood really around the way that all happens for the second for the first half of the 2017-18 season when he, he he kicked up quite a stink, you know, before he left yeah. Liverpool, really, to get his move. And I know Jürgen Klopp wasn't impressed by that, but he, obviously he's not... He's a sensible man, he's pragmatic, he realised he was still a talented player and had to get the most out of him. 
with a view to getting the highest fee, which Liverpool did, you know, great deal on reflection. So I'd be at this stage majorly surprised if, if anything happened, particularly when you've got, we've just been speaking about players, you know, like Curtis Jones, you know, a couple of other mid- midfield players who, you know, Liverpool, I think, need to need to try and work with them a little bit more at the moment. I think they want to work with those sorts of players. So I get the impression, I might live to regret it, but I do feel like Coutinho's uh, time has passed at Liverpool. I think he's going to have to find another club to to go and sign for. James, uh, impossible or unlikely? <laughs> I'd say probably somewhere between the two. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I honestly don't don't see it happening. I just think it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know. I think the only the only glimmer is is if a deal dropped to such a, a low level financially with with Barcelona. Being willing to, you know, to essentially subsidise his his wages, is there a point where, as Simon mentioned, the word you know, being pragmatic, there is there is there a level financially where you go, well, hang on a minute, this is now a deal that that would make sense. Because I think, on you know, there's there's so much about it that wouldn't make any sense. For a start, this is a player who, you know, who got a very mysterious back injury that coincided with being told by Mike Gordon. In Munich in pre-season that he wouldn't be allowed to leave to Barcelona that summer. You know, I think some people have short memories about how much of a, a stink he did kick up in terms of the, the transfer request on the on the on the eve of the new season that was you know very unsettling and, and detrimental to the to the club. And you know, he claimed that he didn't feel like he was valued enough by Klopp. You know, and, and then even even when Liverpool did finally sell him, you know, I remember I remember hearing Klopp's talk about how there was just no chance, he said, of, of keeping him. He said it was, he just wouldn't have been any value to us for the rest of the season, which is pretty damning in terms of what what his attitude was like around the place and just how desperate he was to get away. So I, I just, yeah, I, it just wouldn't make sense to me. I just think Liverpool have moved on without Coutinho. They've evolved as a team. They're certainly a lot less predictable without Coutinho. And I know that's something that Klopp, values greatly the fact that he felt with Coutinho leading the charge it, it was a bit too predictable at times and everything would go through him I think Liverpool are now much more difficult to stop and I asked myself you know would Coutinho instantly improve Liverpool's start in 11 and I don't I don't think he would and then you know his best performances probably came in an, an attacking central midfield role and then you know bringing him back what does that say to Naby Keita what does that say to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain you know and, and that's all before you even you know, weigh up the finances. So, um, yeah, I, I would be absolutely amazed if it happened. Right. Uh, we'll finish with this one on the Red Agenda inbox. It's from LFC Dan, who says, any further information on how Anfield may be decorated with flags and banners on the empty seats? It's it's an interesting conversation. A lot of people will have thought about it. Simon, is it is it something the club have responded to as yet? Can I pass that one on to James? Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Why does he know? <laughs> Come on, James. Do you know, yeah, I, I do have a little bit of information on that. I know I know they they are liaising with, with Spirit of Shankly and 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 Spy and Cop and, and other fan groups just to just to ensure that you know they I think it's, it's a difficult balancing act, isn't it? Because I think that there have been discussions about putting banners on the cop and all the rest of it and just giving the players that feel of you know, you know, of course, not anything resembling a normal match day, but at least, you know, the the colour and vibrancy of the cop that that they quite often, you know, are used to walking out in front of. But I think what we can guarantee, we won't be seeing cardboard cutouts of fans, 
in the stands at Anfield like you'd be seeing at, at some clubs. I think um, so. Th- yeah, those discussions are ongoing. Of course, you know the, the first home game is not till you know the the following midweek against against Palace. So I think yeah, I think we will see Anfield decked out to a degree, but um, yeah, not certainly not to the same levels that I think we've seen uh, we've mm. seen in in the in the Bundesliga. It's good those conversations are happening anyway. Right, I must uh, draw your attention to James's piece uh, online as well, which is on The Athletic, and um, you've had an exclusive with Alex Inglethorpe, who runs the academy. So uh, quick top liner on, on this one. What are some of the areas he focused on, James? We talked a lot about the, the, the huge challenge of trying to run an elite academy when, um, when you're in three months of shutdown, because, of course, Anfield and Melwood are now back up to speed, but... Um, the academy remains firmly shut. I think the hope is that the 18s and the 23s will, will go back and train in small groups at some point in July, but it's going to be September before academy matches are back on the agenda. So you're talking about you know 170 odd kids from under nines to under 23s who uh, you know are going are going to go six seven months without without playing any kind of competitive football. So um, yeah, he talked a lot about. You know, trying to keep them all motivated. What he's been able to do, and you know, the challenges of of trying to make decisions on players' futures and coaches' futures remotely. Um, talked a lot about, of course, the, the the exciting development in in the best young players at the academy this season. I think we've seen over twenty debuts dished out, and you know, of course, Curtis Jones and Nico Williams probably leading the way in terms of players who have spent a lot of time at Kirby. Really, really catching the eye on the on the big stage, and 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 also, you know, another thing that Alex Inglethorpe was very keen to talk about was this alumni project that um, that he's very passionate about, which which sees Liverpool really reach out to to all the kind of former scholars and and young professionals who have moved on from Liverpool, and many of whom have actually dropped out of full time football completely, because he feels that duty of care to them to to show that Liverpool are still there for them. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, that was another big thing that um, you know. I know they've been reaching out to these players, offering them help with coaching courses and university courses, and um, it's great to see because you know not all top clubs do that. You know, it has been a topic of debate in recent times. The idea that almost do some clubs look at young talent as almost dispensable, and that you know you just hoard young talent and then chuck them aside when you don't need them anymore. And um, you know, it's good to see that Liverpool are doing things the right way. Brilliant stuff. More online uh, at The Athletic. Check it out now. It's just time to say thanks uh, to our boys. Thanks to Harry's for bringing us um, uh, a wonderfully smooth James Pierce. And thank you to uh, to our own Brian Blessed, uh, Simon Hughes. Uh, boys, we'll talk next week and we have the, um, the luxury of actually talking about a football game then. I know, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> We'll have to get our different hats on. Uh, Simon James, thank you. That was the Red Agenda returns in a week's time. 